Welcome to Sunspots, where we explore the many ways that the Holy Spirit is working in the people, places, ministries, and missions on the surface of the sun, that is, the synod of the sun. I'm Thomas Riggs, Communication and Administration Coordinator for the Synod. Through the interviews, stories, conversations, and information of this podcast, our prayer is that you find inspiration, community, and connection in the sun. Let's get started. Welcome to this uh, segment of Living in Liminal Space. Truly, this time in the life of the church in the world is uh, between what was and what is evolving. And so we continue to explore uh, how we might uh as God's people live into uh, this new time in uh, the life of the church in the world. This morning, uh, I'm excited that we have Nikki Collins, who is the coordinator for 1001 New Worshiping Communities, uh, joining us. Nikki, please tell us a little bit about who you are and your ministry. Well, hey, Steve, thanks for having me. It's good to be with you all. Um, I am coming to you all from Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where my home is. And most days I spend a lot of time sitting right here at a laptop, um, working with a team of associates that serve the denomination from all across the country um, to coordinate our efforts at starting new worshiping communities as a church. So in 2012, PCUSA launched this movement to start 1,001 new worshiping communities over the next 10 years. And at the end of last year, we were over 750 communities that we have launched and supported as a courageous denomination together. So it's a lot of fun work, Steve. Well, thank you. And what a joy to have you with us. So um, Phyllis Tickle used the term inherited church to describe existing churches and emerging churches to explain uh, the movements of the Spirit coming into existence now. Briefly, from your description, what do you think best describes inherited churches and emerging churches? I think um, I think Tickle's phrases were are helpful, and they've guided us for a few decades now, or a couple anyway. I think one way to think about it is inherited churches are the churches that are working within the world and the systems and structures that we know, and emerging churches or new worshiping communities are working in systems and with a reality of we have no idea. Like we know what we do or doing versus we have no idea what we're doing. Um, and so we are walking one step at a time into um, a future that we are imagining and hoping for, but we can't fully see yet, as opposed to living in a place where we think we understand what's happening around us and how to do what we're doing. So um, I think that's kind of the difference. Um, I also think some of the differences a reliance on institutional authority and systems and structures and patterns and practices um, versus an establishment of relational authority with people who don't know about or care about institutional authority and just want to feel heard and seen and known. So I think those are some of the things that I see. What about you? 
I love the word that you use, imagine, um, that uh, emerging churches are imagining uh, what God's creating. And I guess that's what I see is even with, well, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute, but um, even with inherited churches now, um how is imagination coming in uh, and inviting them into God's now preferred future for them? I think that um, that so much of the key of understanding that and getting glimpses of that imagination is expanding who our conversation partners are, right? So um, the patterns in emerging churches and among emerging church leaders is that they are continually meeting new people. Like that is the bread and butter of what they do every day is to meet someone they didn't know before, to have a cup of coffee with someone they've never really met or just beginning to meet, to do and create things with partners um, and people that we haven't worked with before as a church or as church leaders. So the imagination comes because the conversation is always changing. The conversation partners are broader and um, and evolving. And, and when we get into the patterns of serving the ex- existing, inherited, established congregations, we spend all of our time in conversation with one another, right? So we get in our own echo chambers and we are focused on the people who are here um, and taking care of those needs, which are important. But when all of the energy goes there, you don't have energy for the people who aren't here yet. And that's where often the imagination comes from. So describe some of the the uh, part the conversation partners that um, emerging churches might have? Well, you know, I mean, I think that for a while, new churches have often had some of their first gatherings and meetings in schools, right? School cafeterias has kind of been a meeting space model that um, a lot of emerging communities have um, adopted. So their initial conversation partners are school principals and teachers and custodians and the folks who are helping set up the spaces. Um, And when you're in those conversations and in a school building every week, you start to wonder about the families whose children are there and what their realities are and how do we get to know these people? Because by and large, they're not coming to the services in any of our churches on Sunday mornings. So what can we do to get to know these folks? Or New worshiping community leaders are known for spending a lot of their time in coffee shops, right? So they're talking to the baristas. They're talking to the other customers in the coffee shop. They are partnering with nonprofits in the community, um, not just writing checks, but like shoulder to shoulder doing things together. So these are some of those conversation partners that emerge for them. And then it's who do they introduce me to and who do they know and can just letting a network grow organically Wow, that's exciting, um, and it expands who uh, we have those conversations with, and expands our influence. Yes. Could you share some good news stories about either inherited or emerging churches opening a table to others who may have been on the outside? Yeah. 
this is what I get to spend a lot of time learning about, Steve. So it's a fun part of my job. And, and every, yeah, last summer, I got to spend a good bit of time with some of our new leaders for a training that happened in Denver. And so I got to know quite a few folks from your synod um, and some of the new worshiping communities that are a part of what you all are doing. And so you have some amazing stuff happening in the Senate of the Sun. Um, a lot of it right now is coming out of Colorado, but not completely. So um, we have videos that tell quite a few of these stories, and I would love to share with you links to those if maybe you want to attach them in the podcast notes um, in great. case people haven't seen them. But um, there's one called A Stoked Life that is in the Denver area, and that new worshiping community is led by Nathan and Mindy Hamer, who own a paddleboard shop. And they realize that one of the most beautiful ways they are connecting with people who aren't in church is when they're out in nature. So they are on the water with people paddling around and recognizing that awe and wonder and praise bubble up like naturally, right, when we're in creation and that that has provided opportunities to talk about big questions and meaningful um, parts of life with people who aren't having that conversation in the context of a church Bible study or a Sunday school class, or even just with a pastor at all. So they're making connections out outdoors. And then kind of the opposite of that is um, Bethany Pierbolt, who has the TikTok church, and she is the TikTok pastor who is connecting with thousands, hundreds of thousands of people across the internet that she may never actually meet in person, but is wrestling with questions and building community. And I believe she told me that um, last year on Easter, 11 families visited congregations in their hometown, wherever they are, on Easter Sunday, who had never been before, but went because they had engaged with her and this TikTok community. So that, you know, it, it's not just virtual, right? It is actually sending people to established congregations. Um, so that's pretty cool. We also in this movement have found that we are really welcoming people from the LGBTQ communities um, in ways that we haven't been. So um, you have um, inside your synod, the Kingdom community out from the Dallas area that created a camp for LGBTQ kids um, two summers ago that is now growing and happening in other locations outside of Texas. Um, yeah. And you have one that is emerging from an existing congregation in Little Rock, um, the, the Queer Collective. So um, that is a, a community of folks who kind of had been kicked out of another denomination um, because of who they are. And um, they have found an existing church that has welcomed them for meeting. And this congregation is also receiving them not just as tenants, but as mission partners to create community. So I could go on for a long time, but that's a handful uh -huh. that actually are among you all and belong to you. So um, there's more. <laughs> well, great. I just find that we need to hear those good news stories. Especially in all the transition transitions that's occurring in the life of the church in the world at this point in time. Amen. Amen. There's plenty of good news. That's great. Um, 
As the coordinator of 1001 New Worshiping Communities, how would you encourage an inherited church pastor or leader to step out of this is how we've always done it? So easy to stay where it's safe, right? Um, (laughs) So tempting to stay where it's safe. But years ago, back in the late 2000 aughts, 2008, nine, I was working to um, imagine a coffee shop, new worshiping community in Flint River Presbytery. And um, our council at the Presbytery was really wrestling with um, where God was calling us into the world, missional theology, where was God working? What could we do? And um, we had these little signs put up around the Presbytery office that we would see. And the one that captured me and that I think allowed that presbytery to take this big risk of opening a coffee shop um, and planting a new worshiping community in the midst of it was this one sign that said, dare we risk failure? Dare we not risk failure? And that just seeing those words every time we came together as a presbytery to do our work, I think just it spoke to us from the wall, right? No, it, and it it peppered its way into the conversation. How, we are afraid to fail. We feel like our resources are limited and scarce, that our volunteer base is small, and we certainly can't afford to make people angry, but we can't afford not to try. So just realizing that we have to try, right? And be out there somewhere. Um, Richard Rohr is someone I read a lot. And in the past couple of weeks, he quoted Ansel Adams, but I went to look it up and it actually comes from Louis Pasteur before Ansel Adams, that chance favors the prepared mind. And Rohr paraphrased it and said, grace favors the prepared mind. Mm -hmm. I just think that we have to practice risk and change. So we find small ways to do things differently than we have done them. Um, Going back maybe even to something that we did during COVID that surprised us by working, right? But then many of us wanted to get back to what we used to do. But actually, things happened for us during the pandemic that we weren't expecting because we were forced to try to do it differently, right? Um, So I I think for leaders in existing congregations, If we don't just go straight to what we do on Sunday and let's change something on Sunday, what if we change something that we do on Tuesday? Hmm. Because I think Tuesday is that preparation work, right? Chance favors the prepared mind. Grace favors the prepared mind. So what are we doing on Tuesday that is different? How are we as leaders spending our time on Tuesday? If normally we are prepping for a committee meeting or doing our sermon research in our study on Tuesday, what would happen if we did something outside of our building? If we had coffee with someone that we don't normally spend time, what if we go spend Tuesday with curiosity and hope somewhere doing something different? Mm -hmm. How might that change what happens for us on Wednesday night or Sunday? Does that make sense? Oh gosh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's and I agree with you. It's the small ways, the small steps um, that can build. They um, can. 
Yeah, you just don't know when you're going to have a conversation that changes everything for yourself or for someone else. But you can guarantee it won't happen if you stay locked in your office or sucked into committee meetings, right? It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. This is fascinating. And um, thank you. Um, one of the um, uh, key issues I find, and uh, you uh, agree or disagree with that, how can our churches and presbyteries uh, cultivate the soil uh, for new leaders uh, who will take adventures to engage uh, the spiritual but not religious or those outside the church now? How can we um, help uh, extend the 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 call, so to speak, um, for folks, um, for new leaders to begin to bubble up. Yeah. Um, well, you're not going to be surprised to hear me say. I think we need to get to meet new people, right? Um, yeah. To get out of the the normal patterns that we practice um, in the way that we order our life together and shake that up a little bit. But I also think that when we begin to build new relationships with folks and get a visitor who's coming to church regularly to as quickly as possible start to learn from the newcomer and the new conversation and welcome the insights so often, well, I think now many congregations Folks are tired, right? The leaders have been doing such hard work for so long. If somebody new came in the door, they'd be willing to give them just about anything. But often it is, we've got to know you to come to trust you. We, You've got to prove yourself here before we're going to let you um, serve uh, as a session member, as an elder, um, or lead as a elector or liturgist during worship. And I think we can't afford to do that. We've got to listen to the new people who are willing to be among us. And we've got to give them um, opportunities to share what they know. And we have to receive it um, with humility, right? I mean, I think there is a lot of humility in tilling soil. It is backbreaking, thankless work that is not the cutting garden bouquet, right? It is the hard stuff. Um, and it takes a lot of humility to be willing to put the effort in there. Um, it's a lot of humility to listen to someone new who hasn't been doing church for 50 years and they, they don't know our rhythms. They don't know our vocabulary. Um, but God is at work in their life and they have something to teach us about what that looks and feels like. So, um, so I think that is the posture that goes along with whatever things we do. And I think actually it's the posture that's most important. Are we open to new ideas and new people? And how do we demonstrate that we are? And what do we do with what we learn? Um, We often fall back on our polity to protect us from change when we're scared of it. But in reality, our polity is pretty darn flexible. Um, And we can use it to grow and to change, or we can use it to stay closed and insular. It's just a, it's a posture, right? We, I can turn towards, or I can turn away. We can use what we have to open us up to the world, or we can use it 
to shield ourselves from ever having to deal with it. Um, so obviously I'm an advocate for opening ourselves up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's so much to explore. There's so many opportunities and people uh, that I'm finding that are just plain curious um, and want to uh, express and explore their faith um, and just need that place and uh, that person to help that blossom. But and and you're finding that because you are genuinely curious about those folks, right? Yeah. It's your curious posture about who they are that allows them to trust you with their own curiosities and wonderings, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I and this may cause me to to explore other things, but. Uh, just to teach a group of session members um, how to engage in the world with curiosity. Um, so, you know, this exercise that we use in 1001, I'm sure you have been a part of it somewhere, but the, the neighborhood exegesis tool. I do. We use that. Um, so your, your folks probably maybe haven't encountered that, but we use this tool called a neighborhood exegesis to help um, new and emerging leaders begin to get a new understanding of the neighborhood that they feel called to serve. And so we send them out with some questions and curiosities, right? Things to look for, who they're seeing, where they're going. Um, and um, then they get to buy a cup of coffee for someone or have a conversation with a store owner. And um Anybody can do this, like any of our churches and our sessions and our leadership can take this tool and put it to work in the neighborhood around their church building, right? And come to the place that seems so familiar to us with a different kind of curiosity so that we might notice what we stopped noticing or had never seen before, mm. right? And so I think that that is a tool that every session should use. Um, I remember when we were getting ready to, um, open this coffee shop ministry, and we were looking at different locations, um, a wise elder from our presbytery who had a background in retail businesses came over to Warner Robins, Georgia with and went on a drive with me. And we walked through the grocery store that was close to where we were looking at putting this coffee shop. And he just pointed out things to me about what was on the shelf and who was shopping at that particular time of day that just gave me cues and clues about who we might be serving if we put the coffee shop in this location. And it was his retail eyes that came to everything that I thought was theologically wonderful, but it gave me all this practical, real people, gritty insight about who was there. And I think we miss that sometimes. And it was just really valuable to me. So I wonder about who those conversation partners are for us and what would happen if we used a tool like that. Well, thank you. That That's a great, I, I, we, I have had fun using that tool. In fact, um, we even did it at a presbytery meeting. Yeah, you can do it at a presbytery meeting and then people have experience with it to go back and do it in their home community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Well, any other uh, wisdom or uh, ideas or thoughts that you'd like to share with us today? Wow. Um, I'm I'm grateful for the courage that we have and for the chance um, to to share a little bit about what's happening in this community and the wisdom. I, I think that what I would say is really what I've already said, and that is go meet someone new. Have a conversation with someone you don't normally talk to and come to it with a posture of curiosity and humility and listen for what they might be saying about what God is doing in the world and in their lives from their perspective. And then inter- wow. let that conversation then just keep going in your head. What does that mean what, You know, for us? Well, thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Would you close our time with a prayer today? I will. That would be great. Let's pray. Thank you. God of light and wonder, we give you thanks for the ways that you nudge us and challenge us and push us. And we give you thanks for the ways that you go ahead of us and alongside of us. Help us to trust in your abiding presence. And in this hopeful future, where all of us sit together at one ginormous table, mm. celebrating your love and your grace and your goodness, mm. may it ever be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Nikki, thank you. Thank you immensely. Thank you. And thank you for your leadership of Thousand and One. And what a great team. Uh, you uh, have uh, and the work that y'all do throughout the Peace USA, but also throughout the world. Thank you. It is such a gift. I appreciate getting some time with you this morning. Thanks. Thank you. In the Synod of the Sun, we believe When we work together across boundaries, we make visible the good news and find wholeness as the body of Christ. In our common calling, we impact lives together. So let's remember to connect with, equip, and empower one another in the name of Jesus Christ, today and every day.